This is Daizenshu EX, the podcast, episode 11 for the week of January 29th, 2006. Hello everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Daizenshu EX, the podcast. This is episode 11 and I am Michael Labrie. You may possibly in some afterlife tournament know me as Vegito EX. Not with us this week, yet again... Julian. He's my faithful... I don't even have a word for him anymore. He's he's not faithful anymore, so he doesn't get a cool catchphrase. He is, last I talked to him, staying at an inn somewhere, and, uh, I don't know, having breakfast? So in his place, with us as always, is Mary. Hello there. Hello. You are going to be an invaluable asset for this episode. All right, it's yes. good to feel useful. Yes. We will get to that subject in a little bit. First up, this is going to be kind of interesting, because I want to talk about the news, but I want to talk about the news with Julian, because it mostly involves him in Japan. However, he can't record with us right now. So what I'm going to do is, tomorrow morning, which will be his night for today, which is a different day than it is here in the U.S., we're going to get together and record the news segment, and then I'm going to edit it in. And make it sound completely flawless and natural. Yeah, but now that you've said it, we are gonna everyone's gonna know. Well that's okay, because then Julian would just disappear in the middle of an episode <laughs> anyways, so it would still be jarring. I guess. So that's how this episode is gonna work. Ah, oh, the wonders of technology. Yes. Especially podcasts, because this isn't live. That's alright. So I don't know. I guess we're gonna hit up the news right now. Hello. Hey, what's going on, man? Oh, not too bad. I just got back from Hiroshima a couple hours ago and feeling pretty good. Awesome. <laughs> now, I think you said I was in there yet there last week, but um, I think you might have gotten some of the days confused because remember, I'm only 14 hours ahead of you. Oh, uh, well, I never have any idea what's going on. Yeah, well. Actually, what I did, I set up my PDA when I pressed one of the buttons. It tells me what time it is in Eastern Time. It tells me what time it is in Japan for you. And it tells me what time <laughs> it is on, on the West Coast. So I know where all of my respective friends are at what time. I can just press a button and know. The trick is actually doing that. Yeah, know. that's the problem. I tend to not do so. But anyways, <laughs> it's uh, Saturday morning for me. And it's what? It's Saturday night for me. It's almost 1130 right. for me. So you've had half a weekend so far of stories, and you also had all week. So just yes. we want to know what your stories are, because while this is a Dragon Ball podcast, if you're in Japan, we have to know yes. what's going on in Japan. Well, I've been busy. I've had classes and things. But um, what I have done, for one thing, I officially read through my first manga volume completely in Japanese without looking at a dictionary. Oh, wow. What, what was it? Uh, well, it's, it's Yotsubato by um, Kyuhiko Azuma, so it's not very complicated. Uh, well, in that's fact, all right. it, But it's still pretty good, and cool. it's, it's a fun read. So, yeah. And then, um, let's see, did karaoke again on Thursday night, so that was pretty cool. But actually, the main highlight of my week thus far is traveling to Hiroshima Prefecture and seeing the city and the gardens and museums there, as well as going to Miyajima, which is an island south of the city, but still in the prefecture, and it's it's very cool. And in fact, it, um, in ancient times, it was a sacred island that people didn't live on, but now people do live on it. But they're still not allowed to be born or die 
on it because that screws up the sanctity. I don't know how they figure that out. I was going to say, what if someone you know has a heart attack and dies instantaneously, or God Look, forbid, I, gets I, shot? Or I'm not the one who makes the rules. They can figure it out. Well, maybe themselves. you should be. But it's really weird. I mean, it's a very beautiful place. There's um, Itsukushima Shrine, which is very famous as one of the most beautiful views in Japan, and it is. It has the Torii Gate in the water. Very nice. So are you going to have any pictures of these for us? Um, I will, although I haven't uploaded them onto the computer yet. All right. I, I filled up my memory card completely. And oh, I did think you? I to, oh, yeah, I'm probably going to need to buy another one, so the next time I travel, I'll actually have enough to get my <laughs> entire trip without right. um, filling it. Yeah, but um, and uh, Mount Misen on the island is very cool. It's like 530 meters, or about 15, you know, 1600 feet ish, mm-hmm. up in the air, and it's it's a long hike up the side of the mountain. <laughs> um, it's very scenic and it's very foresty, and there's lots and lots of tame deer who will eat out of the palm of your hand if you have any food. Oh wow! Um, you're not allowed to kill them and <laughs> well, or hurt not. them. They're they're sacred deer according to Shinto, so um, they're very friendly, and it's weird just seeing them walk up and try to take things from you, and like, <laughs> used to them running away. Right. <laughs> and I think it's better that way. And then there's um, Tanuki that I saw as well. Ooh, the, did, they, did they turn to stone and, like, try to steal stuff from you? And uh, They saw me and they ran away. Oh. They're, they're obviously not as domesticated as those deer. Well, you, you and, just haven't found the magical ones yet. Yeah. Uh, according to the guidebook, it said there were monkeys living on the island, but I didn't see any. So, yeah. But it was it's quite an interesting view from the top, and I stayed at a yokan, traditional Japanese inn. Got to wear a yukata and basically engage in all the traditional things, awesome. including, um, well, good or bad, um, bathing in the communal baths. Oh. Yes. Stories, and, and, come on. Yeah. Well, you know how uh, in anime people always have like those little towels? Yes. Um, you're not actually allowed to take those into the water with you <laughs> in real life. That's just that's just for like censorship laws. Oh. <laughs> um, so you, you just kind of wander in there. Yeah, it, the 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 key is to fix your eyes on a spot on the wall and not take them away from there. And then you can just have a pleasant conversation with the other people without you know awkwardness. <laughs> All right. So beyond your uh, shared nude bathing, what else is going on? Uh, well, not too much. Took the Shinkansen for the first time, both to and from uh, Hiroshima. And so basically, it's pretty cool. Uh, the, uh, for those of you who don't know, the Shinkansen is what we call the bullet train in English. Right. But actually, the, t- the term bullet train is based on what it was called when it was still in development back in the 60s, uh, Dangan Resha. But it, the Shinkansen is the new trunk line officially. And it's basically the high-speed rail network that li- links the major cities of Japan. Uh, I think it's Honshu, Hokkaido, and maybe Kyushu, but I don't remember. I kind of think not, because it's kind of separate island. But yeah, and so I took the Nozomi train from Kyoto to Hiroshima, and then Hiroshima to Kyoto the next day. And it's quite fast, like 300 kilometers an hour, which translates to well over 100 miles an hour, although I don't remember the exact <laughs> conversion. It's fast. And yeah, I mean, it's good, but the thing that bothers me is that because it goes so fast, it goes through a lot of tunnels to go under the mountains instead of around. But when it does, the air pressure changes very rapidly. And oh, it makes yeah. Hurt. That sucks. But other than that, it's really good. Uh, and so I just got back today. I went yesterday and I came back today. And I'm here now talking to you. 
Great. Well, let's transition that right into Dragon Ball news as opposed to Julian in Japan news. But these two are kind of one in the same. Yeah. You well. finally picked us up the issue of V-Jump that came out January 21st. Yes, I did. And we finally got the scoop on what's going on with video games. So I want to talk to you a little bit about these. I think yeah. I was so happy. I think we were the first site to break the uh, the code for Nekomajin Z in Buku Resen. Why, thank you. Yes, it was awesome. Unfortunately, I have the American version of the game, so it didn't work. But um, So what does the magazine have to say? I mean, if you want the code, you can just grab it right off of our homepage. But right. is there anything kind of interesting they said about it? Oh, let me see. i got to actually look at the page here. Uh, let's see. It basically says that Nekomajin Zeto, Z, is a secret character, and this is how you can get him. So this is how you get the hidden character of Nekomajin Z to appear. Does it uh, say what his attack is? I'm assuming it's just a giant Nekohameha. Uh, well, the little illustration has a little speech bubble that goes Nekohameha, but and doing like the Kamehameha right. pose. So that's what I assume. Yeah. And I've never played the game, so I don't really know what the support characters actually do to help the main character. Well, but what, what I'm happens- assuming it's like... Support attacks or something? Yeah, you press the button, and then depending on where you are on the screen, they'll pop up and do an attack that kind of uh, gives you another chance to attack, does some damage. My favorite is um, Tension Han's Shinki Koho, where if you're up in the air and you use it, he'll just keep firing it down and down and down, like does massive damage. I see. It's very so cool. is that is that R button plus A normally in the gameplay? Or um, that that's different? just on the character select screen when you're picking them. Oh, okay. I guess they oh, want okay. you to hold R when you pick one to get uh, Z. All right, so that's very cool. Unfortunately, it's not in the American version of the game, Supersonic Warriors 2, most uh-huh. likely due to the fact that it just hasn't come out here. Yeah. I mean, frankly, uh, come on, Viz. There's a market for this. I know, right? Let's keep going with video games. There's a couple more. Yes. Shin okay. Budokai. Yes. Interestingly enough, despite the fact that the PlayStation 2 games are all called Dragon Ball Z and didn't have the Budokai subtitle, this is called Shin Budokai in Japanese. The Shin is for true or pure, like uh, Makoto, purity of heart. Oh, gotcha. Uh, Magokoro. And so it's basically being touted as like a refinement or perfection of the engine that was present in uh, Dragon Ball Z 3 or Budokai 3, PlayStation 2. There's some interesting things that it, it shows in the screen caps, like um, the burst dash, which seems to be a way of really quick movement to avoid attacks. And it's it's showing like the PSP's graphics being used. And it looks like the there's uh, I'm not really sure what it's like a story mode basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the screen is of uh, the Serpent Road with a little Oni guy and basically showing branching paths. And it's like, will you be able to get all the endings? That's open ended. Well, that uh, that reminds me a little bit of how they've done it in uh, Buku Resen with the uh, branching paths. And they've done that in a couple other games. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's just due to the fact that it's the PSP and they're not going to throw the whole full-fledged Dragon Universe in there or yeah. whatever. And I'm not really sure how it's really going to look, but um, from the screenshots, it looks like it, it's pretty similar to the PlayStation 2 version. Yeah, it looks I, pretty I don't, sexy. I, I don't know what the PSP screen's resolution is, but it, it looks pretty high quality. Yeah. Um, and in the in the same issue, there's also stuff about like the data card desk cards that you can apparently use in certain, like, arcade games. Mm-hmm. Uh, having not received, bought or 
like gotten any of these cards or used them. I, I don't really know how they work. But anyway, why don't we segue then into Super Dragon Ball Z. Sounds Z. good. Now, you've actually finally played the game. Or tried to play. <laughs> All right, tried to play <laughs> Not, the game. Well, so yes. we, we haven't actually talked to anyone who's played the game. So now we have someone who's played the game in Japan in arcades. And granted, you got your ass handed to you. But still, yes. we want to hear about it. Okay, so basically, um, you uh, the mode you play in is you select a character, and then it basically puts you up against a series of opponents. I don't remember. I watched some guy play it through completely after me, but I don't mm-hmm. remember how many opponents you face. It's like four, I think. Uh, Chi-Chi is a playable character, and she has the Bashosen as a weapon, the right. mystical fan that creates whirlwinds, and she uses that as a defensive attack, as well as offensive if the opponent is stupid enough to walk into it. And then she can ride on the Kintoun as a way of floating up above. It's kind of like other characters flying. Right. And there's sort of limited flight, although I didn't play a flying character, so I don't really know mm-hmm. that well. Uh, and then she also has Goku's Nyoibo, which she can use as a ranged attack, or as sort of a finishing move, she can do this twirly move where she basically just keeps whacking the other person over and over and over and over again until they finally <laughs> get out. The battle system is pretty straightforward. I don't... How, how are the buttons set up? I, uh, I think it's like punch kick something. Right. Um, and there's various combos that I didn't necessarily figure out, but I was able to trigger It looks pretty fast. Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a pretty decent pace. I mean, I haven't really played that many DBZ games, so I don't really know how it compares. Right. And it basically seems like the first battle seems to, at least if you're good, you can get the upper hand pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But then the second battle, the AI gets a lot smarter and <laughs> yeah. starts to kick your ass. Yeah. Um, and that's how I died. <laughs> um, oh. So it's like three rounds for each one. Right. And, well, well, if if it goes to three, <laughs> basically you have to win two to get to the next one and fight against characters like Trunks and Cell and Frieza. And this other guy used Chi-Chi and actually beat all these other characters. Very cool. Um, but yeah, uh, I didn't do so hot. Oh, that's but, a shame. But it seems like a pretty good fighting game. Um, oh, also, I forgot to mention, this sort of has this Mortal Kombat-esque. It's 3D, but it mostly takes place on a 2D plane, but right. you're able to do- dodge attacks and sort of reorient the fight the axis of the fight by doing z-axis dodges mm-hmm. so like towards away from the screen and i i don't quite remember how to do that <laughs> i'm not sure i ever figured it out or i just managed to do it right well i, I kind of just but mash the buttons anyway so <laughs> i'm definitely looking forward to the japanese ps2 release which i believe is in april i don't know oh. so <laughs> <laughs> i think it is i've already got it on pre-order so i'm totally psyched to get this game and check it out well, definitely keep us up to date on any other uh, hidden or unlockable characters that pop up in the game. All right, I'll let you know. Sounds good. All right, anything else going on? Oh, not too much. Just going to get ready for bed pretty soon. I mean, it's uh, quarter to midnight here, and I'm pretty tired. I had a very long day. I <laughs> did a lot of exploring. I climbed up a mountain. I went back down it across the inland sea to Hiroshima, <laughs> and then back to Kyoto via the Shinkansen. So. All right. You definitely need to go to bed. Okay. <laughs> All right. You do that. Thank you very much for popping in with the news. All right. And uh, what do you think about next week? You think you'll be able to do a show? I think so. All right. That'll be awesome. So oh, I'll cool. uh, choose a topic accordingly. All right. Then. And maybe I'll let you know ahead of time what we do. That would be very nice. In fact, <laughs> I think that would be a first. <laughs> You know, sometimes I don't know until Friday morning when I write the outline what we're doing, but (laughs) that's all right. All right. right. Thank you, Julian, for popping in with the news. We will talk to you next week.
All right. Later, nice man. Nice talking to you. See ya. Jana. And there was our news with Julian. Wow, that was really exciting. Yeah, that was fabulous. I learned so much. I, I can't believe that we're not over there in Japan with all of that going on. Maybe we should be. Maybe that was Let's just, hop on the plane. All right, we're going to go to Japan right now. And we're going to record the rest of this podcast in a few weeks and stitch it all together and throw it online. That sounds like a plan to me. All right. In all seriousness... <laughs> If you've been listening to the past couple episodes, you would kind of put together a little pattern of that what we talk about in one episode leads to a next episode and leads to yet another next episode. Sometimes it's a spinoff of a current topic, or sometimes I'll just say, hey, that would be a really good idea to do an episode about. That's what this episode is. We briefly talked about Trunks last week and uh, Mary's favorite dialogue from Trunks in a particular scene. And up came music that played in that scene. And Mary, myself, and Castor are all like, oh yeah, Trunks, great music. Hmm, why don't we do an episode all about Trunks and his music? I can't argue against that. No. Now Mary, you've always said for years. Yes, I have. I've been saying for years, and I think I even said this in the last episode, that Trunks always gets the best music. He gets the best music, and in terms of sheer numbers, he gets the most amount of songs, which is kind of odd because he's not a main character. He still has all these really kick-ass songs uh, dedicated to him. Yeah. So I, I can't seem to figure out why, other than he's the closest thing Dragon Ball Z has to like a purely tragic character, and maybe that angst makes for good songs. I don't know. I'm really bad. I don't know the lyrics to uh, <laughs> half the songs, so that makes me a bad, a bad fan. Well, if you want lyrics... What you could do is go to Daisenshu EX. You mean there's a site too? Oh, yes, there is. <gasps> I know. Wow. And up in the multimedia section, you'll find lyrics. And all right, granted, we don't have all of these songs. We don't have Hikari no Willpower. And that's like the big one. What's wrong with you, Julian? Yeah, sing. It's the most requested. All right, besides Vegeta's Cooking Hell, it is the most requested lyrics that we have. But we'll get to all that in a little bit. Let's talk about Trunks and his music, beginning with, um, the beginning? That's right, his first appearance. This is DBZ episode 120. So it's actually not when he first appears. Oh, I'm when, sorry. When he first appears, it's silent. And there's I one... meant the general arc of yeah, his first yeah, appearance. Yeah. Me too. So in episode 120, uh, Trunks has just appeared. He has landed, and he's talking smack to Frieza, and we talked a little bit about that last episode. Mm, I love me some smack. <laughs> With his line about, oh, Son Goku is not the only Super Saiyajin. You're looking at another one. Blah, 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 blah. Hair goes up. <laughs> but the song that plays in the background. The name of the song is actually Battle Point Unlimited. In the past, we kind of always referred to it as uh, Battle Power Infinity, because if you ignore the katakana, it's just written as capital B, capital P, and then the infinity sign. But the kana next to it literally reads out, So that's actually what it's called, and we're just kind of all retarded for not reading it. Or you just learned how to read uh, katakana a few years later. Oh yeah, that too. This song, I have to say, is the most different from anything else that plays in DBZ. Right, and as I always like to call it, uh, ever since I first heard the song, is it's like the Seinfeld song. <laughs> like the Dragon Ball world has this like crazy bass as its uh, main focus. 
I think. My old keyboard called what I think the sound is a slap bass. I don't know if that's the correct term for it, but yeah. Yeah, it's all... It, it sounds, sounds like the Seinfeld song. It sounds like porn music. What I like about this song is how it's actually kind of played in two distinct parts in the episode. When the song is first played, it's obviously the beginning of the song. It starts off kind of quiet, and it builds and builds and builds upon itself until it gets to this kind of big crescendo and really starts. There's no lyrics, so I don't know if you would call it the verse of the song, but that's what I'm going to call it, the first verse of this instrumental. Mm -hmm. And that's when Trunks first transforms into Super Saiyajin that we see. Wasn't his first transformation, but as we and Frieza both see him transform, right? And it's just cool. Yes, it is. It's a it's an insert song in Dragon Ball Z that uh doesn't have lyrics, and like you said, it's very unique for the show as a whole to have a a song that one sounds this way and two doesn't even have lyrics, and it's in the show. So I wouldn't call it quite just like you know part of the background music set because they don't ever use it again. No, it's never used again after this episode. So what what would you call this? Just an insert song, it's or is def- it something else? It's definitely an insert song because it's an original composition for this specific scene and nothing else. So it doesn't have lyrics, but yeah, it's still an insert song. Now, on the flip side, we just talked about the beginning of the song. Let's talk about the ending of the song. The ending of the song is played at the ending of the episode. Right, even as it's fading to black. This is kind of a different part of the song, but it also kind of isn't. It's really hard to describe unless you're really familiar with it. This is the yell of Frieza, jump into the sky and slice. But the slice isn't just a slice. It's this slow, dramatic kind of the screen splits and then Frieza falls apart. I don't know. It's kind of different. Like we said, the song is different. The scene is also different from other stuff that I've seen in the show. Mm-hmm. It kind of just has its own feeling to it. It almost as if someone directed that part separately. Because I like how the screen splits and you can't tell if it's the screen or if it's actually Frieza right. or what kind of perspective you're looking at. It's really interesting. And the fact that it's so slow and it has the music going along with it is just a really good matchup, I think. It is. So this is just a cool song. I don't know what else to say about it. I think the word cool clearly defines this song. I don't know. I was listening to it earlier, and it is a bit dated by today's standards, but but it's still enjoyable, and it's definitely... I don't think it has a Dragon Ball feel to it, but I still like to listen to it. Now, just another cool little fact about the song. It is one of two transformations in the show that gets a song, their own individual song. The other being uh, Unme no Hi for Gohan's Super Saiyan 2 transformation in 184. Ooh, I never thought about it that So, Go Trunks. Yay! Not only getting his own insert song, but his own transformation insert song. He has more insert songs, too. He does. So let's get to the next one. The next song comes in in episode 140, and the name of this one is Mind Power, dot, 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 key, dot, dot, dot. This song plays uh, in a, one of my favorite scenes in probably the whole show because uh, you get a nice idea of how desperate Trunks' whole past was, and I don't think a lot of characters get this much... Uh, attention to them in terms of their past but then again you kind of grew up with these characters in the first place so i guess that's irrelevant (laughs) but in this scene um he's sitting in an airship with uh gohan chi chi krillin yamcha 
I think that's it. Oh yeah, and uh, Sleeping Goku. <laughs> he's just kind of there on the floor. And uh, he's kind of sitting there. I don't remember how the subject comes up, actually. I'm a, again, I'm a really bad fan, but I remember Trunks gets up and stands to one of the windows in the airship, and he kind of looks at his reflection, and that's when this song comes in. And Yeah, I don't want to say the song comes out of nowhere. It kind of does. <laughs> but I definitely wasn't expecting an insert song when I saw this. Scene. No, it's just like, dun. And here's the song. And insert flashback here. Yeah. And somehow it fits. It does. I like the song because it has this kind of haunting background vocals during the chorus where it's uh, Hyononobu Kageyama singing and then also we have the female uh, background vocals at the same time. I don't remember who it was. I'm sure it was Kuko. Yeah, it might be. I don't know. I keep saying it's cool. Oh my god, the show is so cool. Yeah, the songs are cool too. I just like them. Yeah. But I think the song really drives the point home, especially with the visuals that we get. I like um, Trunks. He's not really crying, but he's running down his haunting visions, and he's got his head down and his eyes closed. And with the song, I mean, that nails it. Give you a little trivia on the last song. Here's some trivia for this song. This song was featured on the Dragon 98 Live CD, which was a concert performed in 1998 by uh, Hironobu Kageyama and Shinichi Ishihara and all the other big singers from all the DBZ songs. And they only played, I think, 11 songs, and this was one of them. Yeah, it's one of the biggins. So I think that kind of proves that this was a big important song and fans loved it as well mm-hmm. i mean considering the scene it was playing with i think right i think the song didn't hurt the scene <laughs> no 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 it definitely made it better i think and i think it is worthy of having an insert song yes because uh like i said it's a good flashback scene and you don't get that kind of thing that often in dragon ball so maybe it's just a good excuse to throw a song there like oh tragic past Hunting yeah. song. And you mentioned that we grew up with the characters, so we don't necessarily need flashbacks. Trunks we didn't grow up with. Yeah. So we kind of need that. Uh-huh. And so throw in a song, tragic visions, crying men with purple hair. Yeah, you get a He wasn't hit. crying. I know. Maybe he was. I think he in was. In his heart. All right. We're going to move on from insert songs to a closing theme. Aoi Kaze no Hope, which is typically translated as just Blue Wind of Hope. It's not an insert song. It's the closing theme to the second DBZ TV special, the Trunk special. So it's kind of a Trunk-specific song, but it's also just a TV closing theme, or TV special closing theme. But the TV special was about Trunks. Yeah, so... So it's a Trunk song. (laughs) That's right. I mean, his time machine is called Hope, so there's your connection right there. With exclamation points. That's right. (laughs) What I like about this song is that it's different from the previous two songs we spoke of. Whereas the other ones were kind of dark and foreboding and kind of scary, this one's entirely optimistic sounding. Yeah, and this one actually sounds like it could legitimately be a Dragon Ball Z song from a movie or... Right. uh, I guess a movie would be it. I I don't know where (laughs) else you'd pull music from other than the other theme songs, but it sounds more in line of what we'd expect of Dragon Ball Z series-specific music. Yeah, it's it's just a fun-sounding song. 
And the visuals it's combined with up in the upper left hand corner, like all the other stuff, is um, stuff from the TV series that you would have seen at this point, which is uh, Trunks killing Frieza, King Cold, and first meeting the Jinzo Ningen in our timeline. I don't think it went much further. No, no, than that. I, I yeah. remember exactly the shot it ended with was uh, just a pan up of 17, 17 and 18. Yeah, kind of the classic pan up shot of those two. Yeah. Yeah. But, like we said, this is just kind of a different sounding song, and I really like it. I don't know, we're getting kind of lame. Like, I just like these songs! Well, it's more happy than the other ones, right. like you said. It's yeah. not as dark. I think there's something to it. It makes you smile. And Trunks is allowed to be happy sometimes, so here's a happy song. Right. So he takes off, and he smiles to his mom, and then the song comes in with a doodle-doodle. Just a good song. Yeah, yeah, it's alright. It's not my favorite of the three, but it's no. got some sentimental value. It does. <laughs> Now we're going to move away from songs actually in the show to other Trunks-specific songs. Trunks got some great songs in the TV series. He also got some great songs in video games. Right, the TV series, I can kind of see why he would get songs. I don't get why he gets good songs in video games. I mean, I'm not complaining. No, He's my boy and all that, but yeah, I wonder why why the good songs for the video games. Well, let's talk about some of these songs. I'm going to say it began with Super Butoden 2 for the Super Famicom or Super Nintendo. Only so many characters in that game had their own specific themes. Trunks was one of them. And I gotta say... Trunks' theme in this game is definitely one of the better ones in the game. Right, this one, is this the one that starts off with the classical piano piece and then it yes. just goes into like this rocking... Yeah. I don't know how to it describe it other than rocking. Rocking piano song. <laughs> There's some other really good songs on this CD. Um, Vegeta's is one of my favorites, and Piccolo's as well. And I like Gohan's, but I think this version was a little too slow. That was the only classical piano piece. But Trunks' song, man, that one was just awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, out of nowhere, whoa, what great background music. But it was Trunks, so why? Um... I can't imagine when they composed these songs, they thought too much of the characters in mind. Maybe they just made up the songs and then randomly assigned who they'd go to. Maybe it was <laughs> That's just random. True. That's true. I think they do match up with their characters. Piccolo's was the uh, James Bond ripoff, and Cell's was the Pink Floyd ripoff. Which, if you go back into the old Ask Vegito EX, now Ask Daisenshi EX archives, you can hopefully hear a couple of those sound samples. Super Butoden 2 just ripped off a bunch of actual American songs. Or maybe not necessarily all American, but it, they ripped off other songs. I don't know which song, or if any song, Trunks' theme might have ripped off. Alright, so uh, if anyone out there has any ideas if this is actually based on anything, feel free to let us know. That would be awesome. Because if this actually is an original piece, then yay, Trunks' theme is even more special now. Mad props to Bandai. <laughs> so we have a really good Trunks theme in Super Butoden 2. 
let's move up one game to Super Butoden 3. Now, in this game, Chunks isn't even a regular character. He isn't? No. I never really played this. He's a hidden character. He's the only hidden character in this game. In the previous game, uh, Goku and Broly were the hidden characters, because it takes place kind of in the uh, Cell game Movie 9 timeline. Super Butoden 3 is Buu Saga, so there's no future Trunks. But he's the hidden character in the game. Use the same code from Super Butoden 2 to unlock him. But anyways, Trunks' theme is still in this game, even though he's not a regular character. And it's not just played when you use Trunks. I mean, it's just a regular song you can pick. It's a little bit different from the previous games. I wouldn't quite call it a remix, but it's definitely a redone version of the song. But it was good enough that they were like, hmm, let's keep using this song. There's definitely something to Trunks and his music in these games. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna... I'd like to think they thought of the characters when they made them, and I'm just gonna go along with my theory of it's just a coincidence. <laughs> well, clearly the song was good enough that they wanted to keep it around for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's good, though. It's a good song. So there's the 16-bit era. Let's jump up a generation to the 32-bit era. And this is when we really get kicking with some music. Trunks' first song in the 32-bit era is actually just called Trunks. It's on Ultimate Battle 22, and it's an instrumental piece, kind of like before, based around the piano. song has more to it than just this. It received a vocal version. The song in question is Hikari no Willpower. Now, this is probably one of the fan favorite songs. Yes, absolutely. Which is definitely interesting because it's not actually from the TV series. It's not from the movies. It's from freaking video games. Right, and it got a vocal version. And it got a vocal version. I can't think of any other song in the Dragon Ball universe that got this much attention to it. And I'm going to embellish on that and go back to that Dragon 98 live CD. They did Hikari no Willpower with that as well. Wow, much love. Yeah, and the fans loved it. If you listen to that, you can really hear the fans along That's with this song. It's a great um, crowd song. It's really up-tempo. You can sing along to it. It's a lot of fun. I think, actually, at the beginning of the song, whoever's doing the uh, keyboard part, I think they mess up a little bit. If you listen, on the CD? Yeah, when you listen to it on the CD, I think you hear them hit the wrong note on one of the parts at the very beginning. I don't know if it was intentional or not, to try and be cool, but I think they messed up. Okay, I've got some embarrassing trivia for uh, for this show right now. Okay. 
And it involves you. Back in the day, probably before I met him, I guess. Like, to whip out the old keyboard and, oh, yeah. and play some Hikarino willpower. Yes. I mean, not that I didn't, too, but um, <laughs> I, I used to play anime songs on my keyboard all the time. Yes, Except, but- um, in this day and age, Mike will go to Best Buy. And we'll go to the keyboard <laughs> section where they just have all the keyboards turned on and it'll break out some, uh, he carried hey, a willpower. I can play he carried a willpower on the keyboard. And, and it'll run away. And yeah, people look at me and then I leave. But so yeah, it's got some staying power, <laughs> I guess. It does. All these years later, Mike still plays it on keyboards at stores. And then I hide my head in shame and pretend <laughs> I don't know you. So, um, it was originally in Ultimate Battle 22, and then it made its way to Final Bout as well, the instrumental version. But I think the vocal version is definitely the most widely known. It was performed by uh, Hironobu Kageyama, just like the vast majority of other Dragon Ball Z songs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just a fan favorite song. I wonder if at the time when uh, you know the song was huge among the fans, did did the fans know that it was a trunk song? I'm sure I didn't know immediately, but at some point... I must have read it somewhere or put two and two together when I heard it off the uh, Super Butoden soundtrack. It's not on the Super Butoden soundtrack. It's on Ultimate Battle 22. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Really? See, I told you I don't play these games. What kind of Trunks fan are you? I'm a Trunks fan. I'm not a video game fan. You know, fan. I was going to make some comment about how we have the self-proclaimed music expert and the self-proclaimed Trunks expert, but I'm glad I didn't. And damn it, I just did. Yeah, well, I could still be a Trunks expert and right. not know shit about video games. <laughs> I think a lot of fans might have known because a lot of fans back then got the three PS1 games, and it was on two of them. See, I didn't even own a PS1. No, you borrowed mine when you met me. Yeah. All right, so there's Hikari no Willpower. And that, in theory, would be all of Trunks' music, but we ain't gonna stop there. Nope. Now, I think we should probably define something before we start throwing the term around, like we did with Daizenshu for a few episodes and never said what they were. (laughs) So let's say what image songs are. Okay, image songs. This isn't just exclusive to the Dragon Ball Z universe. You no, can find not at all. these on various anime soundtracks from uh, definitely the '90s. I don't. I haven't gotten a recent anime soundtrack <laughs> in years, so I don't know if they still do this. Yeah, but I think they do. It's a song on a CD that isn't background music. It's not a theme song. It's not even related to any of the movies. It's just a song on a CD that's related to the show in some in some shape or form. It's kind of equivalent to. A soundtrack that might come out for a TV show in the U.S. and they call it like uh, music inspired by the TV show. Right. There's blah a, blah blah. There's a lot of TV shows in the U.S. They do that. They put out these soundtracks, what they call, and on the front or on the back, you can read it says music from and inspired by the show. So all the Dragon Ball songs are typically performed by these same singers that did the theme songs, like Hironobu Kageyama and Kuko, etc. But they just do fun side songs. Now, these songs came out on what were called the Hit Collection CDs in Japan. There were 20 of them. There were 18 regular ones and then two remix CDs. And these CDs would come out periodically, and with whatever movie came out, they would have that movie's ending theme or whatever insert song from the TV show. But, you know, to fill up about 10 tracks on a CD, they had to have some other stuff. So they would record these other songs. Now, there are three specific songs that came out during the Trunks time era, sagas, etc. They're not from Trunks in the TV series, but they're quite clearly about Trunks. Right, especially considering the name of the CD that these songs appear. Right, these all came off of Hit Collection 9, which was called Future Shock. 
And this CD also was the first one to have mind power on it. So, yeah, yeah it's a trunk CD. So it's definitely, <laughs> you know, from that era, and the cover has trunks on it for the first time. So Right. And to make matters even more interesting, the three of the songs that we were about to discuss are all sequential. Yes. The first one is called Message from Future. Just message from future. <laughs> right. The second is warning of danger. And finally, the third is welcome home, my boy. Sometimes goes around as Okaidi, my boy. That's kind of interesting because as I was saying to you before we recorded, they say Okaidi, my boy in the song, but it's actually written out in English. Welcome home, my boy. Let's just go through the songs real quickly. None of them are especially significant, I guess, except maybe Warning of Danger, but we'll get to that one. Mm -hmm. So what are your just general thoughts about these songs? I think for the most part, they do a good job of setting up the character and explaining more about Trunks uh, in addition to what we see in the TV show. They're pretty moody songs. They are, um, definitely. The fastest any of the songs get is Warning of Danger, yeah. and even then, that's not especially up-tempo. They're pretty depressing and dark, <laughs> and um, even the third one, uh, Welcome Home, My Boy, you'd think that would be a happy song, but that song depresses the hell no, out of me it, for some reason. It's really slow and almost frightening. Right. I mean, I, that song, I guess, is if you take it as a Trunks-related song, you can pretend it's from Bulma's perspective. So I remember back in the day, we people also referred to it as the Bulma image song. You mean Welcome Back, Our World Sucks? Yeah, maybe that's why. It's kind of like, welcome home, my boy, and you have no life. <laughs> and we have no food for dinner, because <laughs> yeah. the androids destroyed it all. So but. yeah, even that is not too thrilling. Right. Now, I want to quickly talk about Warning of Danger. We mentioned this for a couple other songs. Warning of Danger was on that same Dragon 98 Live CD, performed by Shinichi Ishihara. And this was just an image song. Yeah. So it's even, like, I don't want to say more obscure than the other ones, because uh, I'm sure people in Japan ate these CDs up back in the day, uh, considering they made so many of these hit CDs. Right. So I'm sure they were aware of the song, but it didn't have a, a presence in terms of, you know, the TV show or the movies or anything. No. So there's definitely something about Trunks and music relating to him that just gets the fans. <laughs> Now, I want to briefly touch upon these hit collection CDs. I mean, we explained what they are, but a lot of newer fans might not really be familiar with this whole thing. When we got into the show, this is what there were. There were a couple CD collection soundtracks, one of which was Never Ending Story, two-disc set, which is really just a compilation of two discs worth of songs from the hit collections. That's pretty much what I owned, because I knew I liked the image songs the best, and I'm going to be honest, I downloaded all the songs from your site back <laughs> back when I was an EX hater, when it was cool and in vogue. Back in the day, I used to rotate songs in and out from various CDs, and but let's not get but, into that. But anyway, yeah, Never Ending Story was good for if you liked the image songs, but didn't want to go out and buy every single hit CD that was right, out there. Right, So that's why I like that one. Yeah. Now, I think the world is a little different with Dragon Ball fandom because nowadays, if you get into the show, especially nowadays, you're probably going to get into it via the dub. And then if you get into it enough and start looking for other things, you're probably going to find Bruce Falconer's CDs. And those definitely do have, you know, the music from the show that you're probably looking for. But they don't have these image songs. 
these were kind of exclusive to, you know, the fans back when we first got into the show. That's not entirely true. I think, isn't there a number 18 CD? And oh, it has right. some made-up songs, there, like, there with vocals? Is. I think there's some dance remix song. Yeah. I don't know. I never, obviously never got it. But, all right, <laughs> ignoring the one Meredith McCoy CD. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the stuff that we found when we got into the show and wanted to explore the fandom a little bit. And we were kind of enthralled with these songs that weren't from the show, but we still listened to them anyways, even though we didn't know the language and had no idea what they were about. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that makes us retarded or not. I think we just ate up whatever was given to us. <laughs> oh, it has but Drag Em All on the cover? It is awesome. So what if the song's not really from the show? It's yeah. cool anyways. So we kind of have a place in our hearts for these not-quite-Dragon-Ball songs, but I love them. So... There's Trunks and his music in a nutshell. And I don't think we really answered the question of why does Trunks get the best music? Yeah, we can make theories all day long. Mine being that he's just an interesting character to write songs about, and that's probably as far as I can take it. I think that makes the most sense. He is probably, I don't want to say the deepest character, because that is far from the truth. Right. But I think he has enough context to write that's, things about. Oh, that's the best explanation I've ever heard. All right. <laughs> Go me. Because I knew I always liked Trunks, even though he wasn't exactly deep. I liked his context. I think the deep award would go to Vegeta or Piccolo in terms of uh, character development. Yeah, Trunks didn't get a whole lot of character development. Yeah, but uh, had a hell of a past and he nice sure backstory. Did. He sure did. And good songs to match. So maybe we did answer that question of why he gets the best music, because it was the easiest to do. That's right. All right. I love talking about music. Like we said before, I didn't want to say, you know, we're, we're the self-proclaimed experts on these things. But I've been totally into the music since I got into the show. And if you look over at these CD racks, you will see quite a few CDs. So I love my Trunks music, I guess. Very good stuff. And there was our topic for the week. All right. I would love to hear what you guys think about Trunks and his music. And probably the easiest way to share these opinions would be to hop over to our forums on Daisenshu EX. Jimmy's plug! <laughs> With every podcast we put up, we have a specific thread dedicated to that episode. So if you have any questions about that episode, or comments you want to make about what we said, feel free to just drop right on by and post up what you have to say. And of course, remember to type and spell correctly. Because when you don't use periods and commas and capitalization, I can't read what you're saying. <laughs> So thank you, and uh, let me know what you think about Trunks and his music. For all I know, other people hate Trunks and his music. Together or separately. Together we or don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but please don't do it in my presence, or else you'll make little Mary cry. Mary will cry. That's right, and you wouldn't like cry. that. She cries about Trunks all the time. <laughs> That's right. I cry to my <laughs> Trunks pillow all alone at night. Yeah. So please tell us what you thought about Trunks' music. I don't think we forgot any songs, but if we happen to, please let me know. Yeah, I mean, the last three that we mentioned that were image songs, those are all just fan theories. Let's keep that in mind that they are not officially Trunk songs right. or anything. Right, they don't say, the Trunk song, number one. So if you guys have any other thoughts on uh, image songs that could potentially be Trunks related, let us know. Yeah, let us know. I mean, I have all of them, so I can definitely take a look at them. And, uh, yeah. So there's Trunks and his music. Next up for the week... Well, there aren't any releases for the rest of the month, because the month is only a couple more days. So join us back in February for a plethora of Dragon Ball material for you and I to throw our money at. Until then, let's check out all the emails from the week. 
alright, we have both audio emails and regular emails. I've been keeping track of all of them. So if you haven't heard yours yet, you may potentially hear yours on this show. Just a reminder, whenever you send either a text email or an audio email, we save them all. We read them all and we save them all. There are quite a few, like say, Kerbifers about Journey to the West, that are going to get their entire episode dedicated to them. Holy moly. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, you're not left out. <laughs> no, you're not left out. I have a directory full of all these written up and saved. So you don't need to resend them. Even if I don't reply to them, don't take that personally because they are being saved. So let's just get right into the emails because we have a lot this week and I want to get to as many as we can because there's some really good stuff. So let's do the audio emails first. Hey guys, this is Damon again. I was on episode 10 of your show. And first of all, thanks for answering my question with that hysterical Bio-Broly impression that made me laugh quite hard. Anyway, I have three new questions for you, and the first is kind of in connection to something you've answered before. You mentioned on an earlier episode that you think that Frieza was born in his fourth form, and that he came up with a new form to contain his power, but in movie five... Cooler mentions that he came up with a higher form than his brother was able to attain. So doesn't this kind of dispute what you said in that episode? Uh, the next question is kind of a silly one, I guess, but after Goku learns to become Super Saiyan, he never uses the Kaioken anymore, and I figure, well, it might help, you know, be Super Saiyan and then use Kaioken on top of that. Do you think there's a particular reason why he never did that? And my last question is in, I believe, volume 11 of the manga, uh, when Goku is charging up the Genkidama to use against Frieza. Piccolo has Krillin and Gohan transfer their chi to him, but how come no one ever does this outside of that particular situation? It seems as though that it would help to have the added chi of everyone, you know, maybe beef up one guy with everyone's power and then fight someone, I don't know. Think there's any good reason for that? Thank you. My answer for the Kula question is... I don't know. I'm going to say it's a movie and then run away. (laughs) (laughs) That's the easiest answer. Just shout, it's not canon, and run away. Yes. I don't know. Uh, Some of it can be attributed to, yeah, it's a movie, so they made up some cool dialogue. The other part could be, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about from time to time, so... I don't have an answer. It's a movie! Bye! So, yeah. Your other questions are very, very good that I know I can actually answer, though, and potentially not look like a moron. Why does Goku never use Kaioken again? Well, let's take it back to what the technique actually does to Goku. It pumps up his body real good and puts a lot of strain on him. When Goku first goes Super Saiyajin, he's got a lot of strain on him. So I think my whole explanation is that if Goku used Kaioken while he was in his Super Saiyan form, he would probably go boom. I don't know if this makes sense, but it kind of might. Now you could bring in the whole thing when him and Gohan try to reach that what they call full-powered Super Saiyan, where they're trying to make it their natural state. Would he be able to use Kaioken in that capacity? 
Maybe. He's probably got enough control at that point. But I think with a lot of these stages, especially when they first start using these transformations, it probably just would put way, way, way too much strain on their bodies. And a lot of people bring in the uh, Anoyo Ichi Budokai, the afterlife tournament, when Goku actually does use Super Saiyajin and Kaioken at the same time. I think he calls it Super Kaioken. I don't know. I think I only watched it once. Raw. But... Now, why would he be able to do this? My explanation for years has been, well, Goku's dead. He doesn't have a living body at this point, so there's really no strain he can put his body under. Which kind of brings in the question of, okay, how are they fighting each other if no one can feel any strain on their body? But it, Shh, don't but use you know, logic. <laughs> you know why? how I just said it's a movie? It's filler! So, I, I don't know. I hate using those kind of explanations, but when they make sense, yeah. And your last question about why does this whole key transfer thing never really happen again? Well, it kind of did in movie 8 when everyone gave their key to Goku, but I guess in the TV series, why does it never happen again? And I'm going to answer this with a rhetorical question. You know when Goku put his hand on Kududin's head and read his memories and thoughts about what's been going on in Namek? Yeah, why they never do that again? Because they realized it was ridiculous to make Goku have telepathy out of the blue. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things. I don't know if uh, Toriyama just kind of forgot about stuff. We know he does tend to forget about things. And so. forget entire characters. Yeah. So there's my answer for that. I know, they all sucked, but there we go. Yeah, you tried. I did. Let's go to the next question. Hi, this is Timo. My bot nickname is, well, Timo. I hope you have no trouble understanding me, because I'm German. Yes, you have listeners from all over the world. Now to my question. Have you ever seen dubs from other countries besides Japan, Mexico and the US? For example, the French, German, Italian, Hebrew, Greek or one of the dubs from Spain? If you have seen them, would you dare to rate them and how would you rate them? I'm very interested in other dubs and versions. In my opinion, there are only a few good dubs. The Italian one is good as well as the Hebrew one, as far as I can say. The Spanish version from Mexico is cool too. I also like the dub of the Ocean Group. Brian Drummond is a god. I have seen, let me think about this. I had a VHS of French episodes. I had a couple Cantonese episodes. And beyond that, I've seen a little bit of the Spanish slash Mexican dub. And have I seen anything else? I might have seen just a few clips from uh, the Philippines and a few other places, but... Of the stuff I've actually sat and watched, really only the French, Spanish, and Cantonese dubs. I've seen pretty much the same exact things in terms of actual episodes. I have some Cantonese episodes on a tape. I have some uh, Spanish episodes on a tape. Um, I don't think I have French episodes on tape, but I have lots of clips from the French dub. And if you go to my site, in my Trunks Around the World section, I have tons of Trunks audio from lots and lots of languages. But in terms of favorites... Uh, you go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say the Spanish dub. Uh, what I've seen of it, I think the voices fit so beautifully. And from what little I remember of Spanish, it seems pretty well acted. Uh, and it's got the original background music, so score. And the translation is uh, pretty damn accurate, too. Yeah, totally. From what I remember of Spanish, too, and just uh, translations I've read from other people. But for me, I'd also have to say the Spanish dub and the French one, if only because Trunks' French voice is the friggin' sexiest thing I heard <laughs> as, like, a fangirl when I was, like, 17. So, yeah. I have some uh, fond memories there. 
I have seen a bunch of other little things, like the extra on, I think it's the first DBZ Dragon Box. has a whole bunch of uh, other languages as an extra, just random crap from other countries. I forget, did it have the English dub on that one? Yeah, it did. It had um, from season three, so how embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, I don't know. I guess we're going to say Spanish dub is our favorite over on this end. Yeah, I mean, then again, we're kind of spoiled because uh, a few years back we had DBC episodes airing uh, fairly regularly on Telemundo here in uh, the New York area. So I was able to just, uh, you know, turn on the VCR and record some episodes in Spanish. You were able set. to record the Spanish episodes. At this point, you had the international channel, so you were recording the Japanese episodes. Yeah, I had, a, I had it pretty good then. And then you had the English dub, so yeah. Yeah, that was uh, about... Very nice. I think that was uh, 2000 or 2001 or so. Yeah. It was like the height of uh, DBZ fandom in this country, and apparently in other languages yeah. on TV in this area, too. Now, I know we have a ton of listeners from other countries. When I say listeners, I also mean site visitors. You know, you guys have some awesome dubs out there, so I want to know what you guys think about our versions. I mean, when I say our, I don't really like the dub, so I don't consider it mine. But I like the ocean dub, so I'll consider that one mine. And like you said, Brian Drummond was awesome, so we'll collectively share our man love for Brian Drummond. (laughs) (laughs) Enough with the man love. Before I dig this hole any deeper, let's go to our last audio question. Hi, this is Jake Man from England. Coming with another question for you. Uh, what's your favorite Dragon Ball Z Flash that's been made by a fan or a Flash artist, be it a game, homage, or parody, or a spin-off? And also, what is your least favorite? My favorite is Dragon Ball Z in a nutshell, and my least favorite is the Evil Goku Saga that can be found on Newgrounds.com. Also, what's your favorite Yumcha haircut? I do not like Flash animations of any kind. I don't know why. It's one of those things. Like, I don't like fanfics, and I don't like Flash animations. There's something with the letter F that drives me away. <laughs> Good logic. Have um, you seen any that I've you've seen, liked or disliked? I'm pretty sure most of what I've seen I've not liked, and I think there was one I saw once that I did like, and even then I don't remember it or when I saw it or anything about it, so I can't say I have a favorite. Like, a lot of people come to AMVs and they say, oh, AMVs all suck, because, you know, they saw a couple really bad ones and that turned them off from the whole hobby for life. I guess the same thing happened to me with Flash animations. Yeah. Not just DBZ ones, where I see just, like, kids making stupid, like, I can curse and say boobies. Whatever. I don't know. So if you've seen any really, really genuinely, not necessarily intelligent ones, but funny ones that have something to them, please let me know. I would like to see some good stuff and actually watch some of these things everyone talks about. But Yamcha haircut? Ooh. What do you think? I am very partial to uh, Yamcha's long hair. The beginning uh, of Z? Beginning of Z and just in Dragon Ball uh, first yeah. showed up. I mean, when he I, first shows up in Dragon Ball and when he's first in DBZ, it's kind of like the same haircut. Yeah, it is pretty much the same thing, only I think he has a scar in yeah. DBZ. I, that's my favorite Yamcha hair. I don't know if it's just because I first saw him in both Dragon Ball and DBZ with that haircut. I'm wondering if that's what it is, too. I mean, I like some of his uh, short haircuts, but I think I like the long hair more. He's kind of sexy in DBZ with that haircut. Yes! Oh, well, I was going to say it, but you beat me to it. <laughs> All right, so there's our audio emails for the week. If you would like to send us some audio emails, just record yourself talking. Don't be shy. We got all sorts of people. Say who you are and where you're from and what your question is. And you can send them to my attention, Vegito EX. You can grab the emails off the website. And with that, we have some regular emails to get to for the week, and they are not all about embarrassing Julian, just one of them. So <laughs> <laughs> let's get to these emails. I'll take the first one. 
First one comes from Mizugi from our forums. Uh, has a question about video games. A lot of the fighting games have been using what-if scenarios as kind of big selling points. Uh, yeah, we've started with Raditz and gone to Boo and so many video games. What do we think about a game with an all-new storyline? Haven't they done a lot of... Well, I was going to say what-ifs is just about all they did in terms of new. Yeah. See, but here's the difference. They've been doing a lot of what-if scenarios, but those are all branches of or based off of the like core storyline. What about a game with an all-new storyline? Mary, would you play a TBZ video game that had an all-new storyline to it? Only if Toriyama had anything to do with it. If it was just yeah. American-made, I would say no. Okay, yeah, if it was American-made. And I say that not because I'm biased, but because I'm really um, pessimistic, and I think that people in America like DBZ for, I don't want to say the wrong reasons, <laughs> but maybe the superficial reasons, and I don't think they'll make a... A storyline that is all that, uh, I don't know, deep. <laughs> with Not that, that Dragon Ball is deep, but I don't know what I mean. With that, let me read the last sentence of Mizuki's email. Okay. I shudder to think what an American-made game would result in, but something created with Toriyama Sensei's input in Japan could be amazing. So, yeah. That's provided Toriyama can remember the characters he made. <laughs> yeah, who was that again? Now, I guess we should say there has been one, technically two, technically three video games that did have an all-new beginning to end, the game is just an original storyline. You're talking about um, the Playdia games? Yes. Actually, it was technically originally an NES game, a Famicom game. The game called Saiyajin Zetsumetsu Keikaku, or the plan to eradicate the Saiyajin. It was originally an NES game, and then the game was remade for the Bandai Playdia video game system. And if you want more information on this, I don't know, we'll probably do an episode about it at some point. Hopefully that doesn't mean we'll do it next week. But we have a whole section on the website about it where you can read everything you could possibly want to know about this quote-unquote OVA, quote-unquote lost movie, the whole shebang, the whole shenanigans. If you want to go to the site and check out the There Is No OVA section, you can read all about that. It's one of my personal favorites. Yes. Um... I don't know, this game wasn't all that hot, <laughs> but a new game with Toriyama involved, with good music and the Japanese voice actors, I'd be all for that. Me too. Yeah. It's so, a matter of making it happen. Yeah. Let's make an online petition. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Next email. <laughs> this one comes to us from Jared, a.k.a. Gohan, I don't know, 921, 921, 921? We're going to say it's from Jared. Jared says, I used to have a fan dub of movies 5 and 6. The voices were horrible. Piccolo sounded like an old grandma. You're the one who'll be doing us a favor! What I thought was interesting was that they tried to sing Chala Hedchala in English. They did not get the words even close enough. I was wondering if you've heard of this and if you knew who did it. Yes, this is actually not a fan dub. It is an official production from the Philippines. Now, I don't remember a whole lot of details about this. It's been a few years since I've seen it. But from what I understand, movies 5 and 6 were dubbed in English down in the Philippines for some sort of film festival. I do not know anything about this. Okay, yet. so I won't look at you for any more information. No, no, no. Um, I think I first downloaded clips off of maybe like Ed Gorgon's site way back when. He had clips? Or, well, audio clips. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then I might have even actually gotten the movies on tape somewhere. I know I did because I can specifically remember movie six. The movies are essentially unedited, except the scene when Vegeta plops in and kicks Metal Kula. For some reason, there's like a couple frames edited out there. I don't know what happened there. But so, yeah, these weren't a fan dub. These were actual productions from the Philippines. And yeah, they weren't all that hot. 
I thought Kula had a pretty cool voice. Really? Well, I've got some of my own. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, you actually had a couple more questions. So, I know that you can fit up to 8 to 10 30-minute episodes on one DVD. How come Funimation doesn't combine as many episodes as possible on DVD? Well, there's something called bit rates. And there's also something called dual-layer DVDs, which Funimation does not use for their DVC discs. <laughs> yes. Long story short, DVDs should have been postponed another year or so so they could perfect the technology, because you can't fit as much on a DVD as you think you can with the quality that you want it to be. Funimation's DVDs, granted, run pretty low on the bit rates, but for the most part, three to four episodes on a single-layer disc, which is about 4.7 gigs, is really all you can stuff on there without it starting to take a dive. And if you want an example of that, check out some of their Dragon Ball episodes from the original TV series. A couple of those discs are dual-layer, and they pack on like 10 episodes, but for the most part, those discs are actually single-layer DVDs, and they don't look so hot. That's when you start seeing stuff like macro blocking, which is when you actually see, like, giant pixels on the screen, and the blacks is really something that starts looking bad. So, are they ripping you off? Um... Not really. I mean, the discs come out at 18 bucks compared to what other companies put out for the same amount of episodes. I don't think that excuse really lives up anymore. I don't know. Does that make sense? I guess so. I mean, granted, we make uh, DVZ music videos quite often, and we're pretty anal in terms of our video quality. So I know if it were up to us, we would like to keep the episode count just uh if only because uh, if they add more episodes on those discs, they'd look even worse than they already are. Yeah, it starts looking so bad. So it's a trade-off. It's either more content or uh, you know quality issues. Right. And this kind of leads into your next question. What's the Dragon Box like? Do they combine episodes on DVD? And how come it doesn't have English subtitles? Well, here's the thing. Whatever you put in really counts to what you get back out. What Funimation has to put on DVD is not the same thing that's being put on the Dragon Boxes. Toei and Pony Canyon have gone back and extensively cleaned up the footage. If you put in something really good, it's going to take a lot less work to get something good back in return. So that's why the Dragon Box episodes look gorgeous. Because they've been worked on beforehand, before they even put them on the DVD. So when you got nice looking stuff, it's going to look nice after that MPEG-2 encode. Now, the Dragon Box uh, discs, I think they have six, maybe seven, no, six episodes a disc. Those are dual-layer discs, though. So you're really getting about the same amount that Funimation would put on a single-layer disc. Just better quality. Right, just better quality. But that's because it's their property, and they can do whatever they want with it. They can clean it up, and why don't they have English subtitles? Well, the Japanese population speaks Japanese. So they don't particularly need English subtitles. There are a couple Region 2 discs that come out in Japan that do have English subtitles, but those are not standard. And I honestly don't know why they even do that from time to time, because it's not like we're importing tons of R2s to get just English subtitles, because they're going to come out here anyways. Like, volumes 2 through 6 of Furikuri had English subtitles. The first volume didn't. Who cares? They're coming out in Japan. <laughs> So, I don't know. Dragon Boxes look great. They don't have English subtitles. Funimation's discs don't look all that hot. They look alright, but they have subtitles. This is a whole debate that has gone into many, many, many times on practically any place you go to. So I'm not going to throw in any more of my opinion on it. If you got the cash 
and you don't care about subtitles, get the Dragon Box releases, which are getting individual disc releases now at six episodes a pop. If you want to have the subtitles and maybe have the English dub, get Funimation's discs. And there ain't more to it. So why don't we go to the next email? All right, this one comes in from Raphael, and he asks uh, if we've seen the last episode of GT yet. wants to know what we thought of the montage at the end with uh, Don Don playing in the background. And uh, he has another question, but I guess we'll just uh, go after the GT one first. Well, if you listened to last week's episode, you know that I cry like a baby when I watch this part. And he's not afraid to admit it. Twice! The last episode of GT, I think what I got on my tape was 59 and then 61 through 64. Yeah, it was missing the Super Saiyan 4 Gogeta episode. These episodes raw were one of the first tapes that I got from, like, outside. Like, I got it on the internet. It was really weird. Um, So these episodes, especially 64 and its ending, have this huge sentimental place in my heart. I love that episode so, so much. And... I don't know, you can just listen to last week's episode and hear me start breaking down a little bit when I talk about it. All right, and for the second part of the question, he wants to know, could any of the half-Saijins ever go beyond Super Saiyan 2? And that's Well, it. uh, Gohan got to Super Saiyan 2. He was the only half-Saijin to do so. Could they ever go beyond it? I guess this would be Gohan and Trunks. And Goten. And Goten and Bra and Pan. Pan. Um... Could they? Sure, why not? Did they get that far? No. So, I don't know, it's just one of those cool fan speculation questions. Do we think they could ever get further than that? Gotenks went Super Saiyan 3, but that can most likely be attributed to the fun, fancy fusion. Mary, what do you think? Do you think any of these characters could actually push themselves far enough? Um, if Gohan, you know, didn't become a wuss, (laughs) I'd say yes. You know, I think the most likely... Well, I don't know. I think Trunks, given the right circumstances, I'm going to say future Trunks, could have reached Super Saiyan 2. I think so, too. He seems the most likely, because he actually cares about stuff. Yeah. I don't (laughs) think anyone else could have, though. See, yeah, that's the thing. I don't think anyone else cared enough. So to say whether or not they'd even get beyond Super Saiyan 2, probably not too likely. So I'm going to put my cap at Super Saiyan 2 for these characters, and... Yeah. This is a whole lot of fan speculation this episode. Yes, it is. (laughs) All right, we got a couple more emails. Let's get to these. Daft Brian says, I think Julian knows what he's talking about. Yeah, sometimes he does. Wicked smart. Yeah, wicked. Massachusetts. Dude, I was born in Massachusetts. I say wicked all the time, too. But he seems to be a little pompous. Am I right? If I am, totally sorry. Julian is the epitome of not pompous. Yes, he... And we can say this because he's not in this episode. Julian's such a nice guy. He is. He... No, he he's not. I don't know where you might have gotten that. A lot of times people think if someone shares their knowledge, they're trying to be, uh, I don't know, pompous? Like a show-off. A show-off. Julian's really not. He just loves what he talks about. He does. We do too. But Julian sounds a little more authoritative because he's got the deeper voice. I think that's it. All right, you know what? He's pompous because he has a deep voice. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Daft Brian, yeah, you're right. (laughs) All right, why don't you read the last question? Certainly. From Adam, who lives in England, he asks, uh, what are your favorite signature moves from Dragon Ball Z? Oh, gosh, is it Kikoho? That's a cool move. When, um, especially when he's using it, when Tension Han's using it, Against uh, Cell. Oh, yes. Totally. I gotta say, I love that technique in uh, Buku or SN, but yeah, go ahead. That's uh, that's (laughs) it. I like that one. And Kianzan. Kianzan. Very cool. My favorite technique 
I don't know. I kind of like the things that are effective. So <laughs> I'm going to say Taioken, not Kaioken, Taioken, known in the dub as Solar Flare, because this actually does something useful on several occasions. If only for a few moments, but yes. yes. it does. I, I don't know. It's another tension, hon. Well, I guess he's the first one to use it, but then everyone else stole it. See, that proves how cool it is, because Tenshin Han used it, and then Goku stole it, and even Kududin stole it. You know what? I think uh, Tenshin Han was one of the first characters to get a lot of moves. I mean, he had the move where arms popped out of him, and yeah, oh, yeah. he had a uh, Dodonpa. So that boy had a lot of stuff going for him so back in the day. He's Mr. Move, so that's who we're going to say. I always like Tenshin Han a lot, and maybe because he has cool techniques is the reason why. I like him more in Dragon Ball a lot more than I liked him in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> well, they kind of threw him aside. Yeah. But. All right, so those are our emails for the week. If you would like to send us, like, audio emails or even these text emails, you can get the email address on the site. You just send them right to me and say something about the podcast. I was toying with the idea of possibly making another email address specifically to get stuff for the podcast, but... My intent with the podcast isn't to be separate from the site, but rather an extension of it. Like, we have the forums, and we have the chat, and now we have the podcast. I kind of want them all to be this one just giant cesspool of Dragon Ball stuff. I know cesspool is the wrong word to describe Dragon Ball, because well, I love maybe, it. Well, <laughs> maybe if you're a, a hater. If you're but, a play a hater, yeah, you so, call it cesspool. So I'm just going to say, you know, lump it all together. But if you have something to say specifically for the podcast, if you just want to throw, like, podcast up in the subject line, that'd be cool then I know it's for this as opposed to something else. Send us emails. We love getting emails. We want to know where you're from. We want to know what your questions are. We want to know what you think about Trunks and his music. And much, much more. And much, 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 much more. Also, with regards to emails, thanks to everyone who emailed me and said, yeah, Chi-Chi was able to fly on Kintone. I don't know what happened with me and my memory of the show. But yes, Chi-Chi was able to fly on Kintone. So it makes sense that she's able to fly on Kintone in Super Dragon Ball Z, the new arcade fighting game. Apologies on that. I don't know what I was thinking. So that's really our episode for this week. Yeah, it was uh, pretty fanboyish, actually. It was. I mean, uh, A little more so than usual. You got me quoting the show in Japanese. You got Mary talking about trunks. You got us both talking about music. And we got Julian talking about... Whatever it is he talked about. Whatever, yeah, I don't remember. It was fascinating, it was was brilliant, it was was earth-shattering. Yes, exactly. Those are the perfect words to describe Julian. Julian (laughs) is earth-shattering and brilliant. And and pompous. And pompous with his deep voice. A jerk. All right. So thank you, everyone, for checking out episode... Oh, crap, what is it? It's 11. 11. Episode 11 of Daizenshu EX, the podcast. If you want to check out Daizenshu EX, yes, there's a site, too, with so much cool stuff. Hop over to www.daizex.com. And for Mary's lack of updates, you can find her at templeotrunks.com. I will not spell it out. Too many letters. Once again, that's our episode for the week. Join us back next week where hopefully we will have Julian for a full episode rambling in Japanese about all sorts of strange temples and dungeons and Super Dragon Ball Z and... And panty vending machines. And panty vending machines and coffee vending machines and more panty vending machines. That's all I got for this episode. Thank you, everyone. I am Vegito EX, and uh, later.